0: Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
1: Am I ready, room? Hello,
0: and welcome to the... Readier Room, the only Star Trek Next Generation rewatched podcast with on-the-set stories and behind-the-scenes magic. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount. With me, as always, is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, Head of Resources Management. Brandon, how are we doing today? Uh, Well, as always, doing great, Mitch. I am uh, drinking a uh, a White Claw. Have you ever had one of these? A White Claw? Is it White Claw, yeah. Is that an alcoholic beverage? It is, yeah. My daughter got me hooked on them. Yeah? Is it, um, what kind of alcohol is it? Is it, is it it's vodka? It's like a, it's like a, no, it's like a, uh, like a wine cooler or some, some sort. It's
1: like sparkling water with fruit flavor in it.
0: Well, what exactly is a wine cooler? Cold wine? You would think so, wouldn't you? I would, and I am. Hmm, but it's not. To me, wine was always a heavier alcohol. Um, I can, it is. It's I, I, not refreshing, right? Exactly. Which is, I imagine, why the Italians like it so much because it goes with their heavy food. Right. Right. Of course. Yes. Of course. That is. That is usually how you pair things together like that. Exactly. So, are um, you are you going to be able to do the podcast with this this heavy wine in your system? Well. It remains to be seen, Mitch. I guess we'll find out as we go along. Uh, this can kind of be a test run. Okay. Now here's a question. Um, I know it's called a white claw, but is it white wine or red wine? Cooler. Um, you know what it is? It's 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 orange. Orange. I'm trying to wrap my head around this orange wine. I know. Well, it's it says mango on the front. Okay. Does it taste like mango? yeah well that's good that they're not yeah. falsely advertising it like they put lemon right. flavor in the mango can right that would be silly that so would be silly yeah it's it's orange it's totally orange okay so uh would you recommend white claw to the people at home so far i would all right um not not sponsored
1: by the way uh, i not, just like it hashtag not sponsored um but but white
0: claw you know hit us just, up. just throwing this out there um you know, we could be the first Star Trek podcast to be sponsored by an alcoholic beverage purveyor. We could. We could. I think it would be great. Yeah. I mean, we got to call in some of our connections. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't quite know anybody in the in the beverage business, but I know people who know people who know people in the beverage business.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, we were we were uh, a pretty beverage business adjacent back in the day, weren't we? So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's. um. It's all coming full circle, but uh, it, yeah. always, it always starts with that first olive branch, and I think think we just did it by mentioning the brand. You make sure you I think so. show, the label. It's, um, show the label. It's a good time. All right. Um, so before we get into this week's episode, I got a little something for you. Uh, boom, ch- boom, boom, ch- Mitch going give it to you, he gonna give it to you, Mitch going give it to you, he gonna give it to you. First he's got a question, and it's of the week. Question of the week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, this is new, It's is a new side of you. Yeah, it's, um, sometimes you gotta cut loose. I, I mean, I'm not the one drinking alcohol right now, but, you know, it gets into all of us. It's a contact high. I'm impressed. So, this week's question comes from uh, Data Whore. On Twitter, and Datawhore asks, "Were there ever any on the set romances?" I think the shipping community deserves to know by this point, and I guess they do. I know the shipping community has been involved in a controversy as of late with that um that like blockage in the canal. So maybe they just, right, they need right. some levity. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. They are having a tough time, huh? Mm. So I don't. It's not quite our place to, you know, air other people's dirty laundry, but, you know, what the hell? It's our podcast. We can do it. Um, So the answer is obviously yes, of course, on the set romances. Uh, The Next Generation, I think it's very obvious from a viewer standpoint, but in case you don't know, it's a show that's really charged with a lot of sexual energy. And that's almost entirely due to the chemistry uh, between the actors while they were on set. Mm -hmm. Kind of had it all. There was, you know, budding romances, flings, one night stands, um, passionate breakups—the whole nine. You could you could make a soap opera on the production of TNG. But I think a lot of the the romantic involvements and stories that we have kind of come from seasons one and two. Like there was Denise and Brent; yeah. they kind of had that one night thing. The, I remember mm. Denise and Michael had a few dates. Uh, Denise and Patrick—they had a relationship for a couple months. That one was pretty long. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some stories about Denise and John. I don't—I don't quite remember that, but—but yeah, but you know there were. Yeah, sure. there there had to have been. Like you, you, see some of those shots of them reacting to one another. But mm-hmm. I guess in retrospect, Denise was kind of the nexus for that—that sexual energy. I mean, by the times he left left the show, most I think most people on the set had a ride at some point. But uh, yeah, it was the 80s, yeah, you know, sure. it was a different time. Yeah. So um, you can't judge anybody. You know, some like in the 80s, some people like that hairstyle. You can't judge them. Right.
1: Right. And, you know, mm-mm. even I'm a little disappointed that I
0: I didn't get a ride. Right. You know, um, well, would you would you uh, now in the year 2021? 20, oh, oh, Lord, no, Mitch. I I uh, I can see why I think everybody can Relate yeah, to that that yeah. feeling, yeah. No, all right. So, thank you very much, Data Horror, for the question of the week. And if you at home have a question that you want us to answer on the Readier Room podcast, you can either tweet at us at the Readier Room or send us an email, uh, the Readier Room at gmail.com, and that's with a capital T, capital R, and a second capital R. And uh, if it's a good question, we'll answer it on the week. But let's be honest, they're all good questions. So many great All questions. Of All of them. All of them. All right. So that's our pre-episode business. It's time to get on to this week's episode, which um, I do know the title of, but I, I don't quite know how to pronounce the title. It's either When the Bow Breaks or When the Bow Breaks. Hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: well, now you got me second-guessing myself. What did you think it was? Well,
1: I thought it was... I, I thought it would will... I thought it was when the Boof
0: breaks. Yeah, I think that's right. No. Right? Yeah, it's hearing it. Yeah, jo- it's jogging it's, my it's, memory. It's, it's like it's
1: like the song "When the Boof Breaks." When
0: the booth breaks, uh, the cradle, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And you know what? It had never occurred to me that that's what the title of this episode had come from. Um. So it. Oh, really? It, it's all. It is, coming it's pretty together. Pretty smart. It is. It's a
1: pretty smart title. Yeah. I gotta say. This episode, um, well, I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about here, um, but uh, it, it features the magnificent Jerry Harden, um, who would go on to be Deep Throat in the X-Files. Uh, a truly um, uh, watershed role. Absolutely. Well, even more of a watershed role was when he came back for TNG as Mark Twain. <sighs> uh,
0: <laughs> I, I can, we, can we talk about Mark Twain? Um, right now yeah (laughs) the character or the person um well the person was kind of a character but the the star trek iteration of mark twain i mean say your piece but i i think that that mark twain somehow becoming the villain of an episode of star trek is the worst thing that has that happened in the entire series
1: in the entire series yeah i mean
0: it's pretty bad yeah it's pretty awful. I think it's worse than the clip show in season two. I think it's worse than wow the naked now. I it was that was the sixth season, um the two parter between the end of the sixth season and the beginning of the seventh season. We should have known right, better right. by that point. <laughs> we don't we don't have right. the, the the security blanket of the excuse of being early in the show's run. No, no, we all said yeah, Mark Twain, that makes sense. That that does seem like early early season uh, content, right? For sure. And Guinan knows Mark Twain uh, for some reason. Like what the hell?
1: All right, all right, all right. We 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 can't discuss that now because we're going to discuss it three years from now.
0: All right, so, all right. Put a put a put a bookmark in this. But yeah, yeah. Um, we um. So we also have Brenda Strong from
1: Desperate Housewives,
0: who is looking magnificent. You're blowing my exactly. mind right now. She um, she plays the. Um, the young, uh, alien on the planet, right? The one that's not super yeah. old? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, Brandon, but I am a huge Desperate Housewives fan. Is that right? That's right. I, I can see it. I, I watched, uh, I think the first several seasons of that show, maybe like the first four or five. Um, wow. yeah, I was very into the, the intrigues of Wisteria Lane. And, who is uh,
1: uh, who is your favorite couple?
0: Um, God, I, uh, what was the name of the actress who was on Seinfeld, and she had the 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 breasts that they thought were fake, and she's like, no, they're real and they're spectacular. Oh, um, her and the guy who's I think his name was Mike. He was like a like a mysterious carpenter, not unlike okay. Jesus, I suppose. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, and they met. They met on that on that boat. I think so. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Great show. Not really. Kind of a terrible show, but I liked it. Um, anyway, point is, I, I didn't recognize um, that connection at all. And of course, well, yeah, That uh, it's, it's impressive <laughs> that you did not Of course, at the time, I wouldn't recognize it either, not being uh, clairvoyant. Um <laughs> yeah that that might have something to do with it right <laughs> so um i'll say this we we railed on the quality of the guest actors last time and this time everybody did like a pretty everybody who was not a child did a pretty good job yeah yeah i
1: i i have to agree with you and that was something i was going to bring up too is just um it's it's almost night and day uh compared to last episode Right. um maybe they they're not that great but you know the, the 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 weaker ones are at least serviceable in this episode and um i i think i think Jerry and Brenda do a fine job you know yeah everything kind of comes together believably in terms of the acting
0: the thing about about Jerry going back to Mark Twain is that his Mark Twain was terrible it was comedic comedically bad um mm-hmm. it, it was comedically bad in the same way that um the admiral in the previous episode, was terrible when he was like super old and doing that terrible voice. Um, right, right, yeah. I mean, that's
1: that just comes down to a direction problem, though.
0: Yeah, just blame everybody else on set. Um, yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been his fault. No, not at all. So the the guest actors are good. I think the the plot of this episode, the the conceit of it, is also pretty good. Um yeah the conceit of it yeah and then maybe
1: not the execution <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, it's it's got a lot of cool ideas i think the idea that like you know this alien civilization has this tech that protects and destroys it at the same time and mm. um they they've been they've been living uh th- the way they have for so long that they don't even remember what a computer is and just kind of blindly follow its instructions when it's clearly not even
0: that smart right <laughs>
1: Like, it doesn't really have any, any will of
0: its own. It's basically like it's basically an Alexa.
1: It is, yeah. It it, it 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 essentially is an Alexa. Um so I mean conceptually very impossibly interesting stuff, but uh, well it, it it doesn't come together.
0: It doesn't, but what I like about it is that is the um the depiction of this uh alien races or their societies morals. Where they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, we took your kids. You can just make more and we'll we'll pay you. It's fair. We took something. We'll give you something. It's fine. Um, yeah. I, I, the... I, it, it could have been, and it kind of was a little bit clumsy, but at the same time, like I enjoyed just how alien that, that line of reasoning feels while also being like incredibly logical about it. Um, now, this, yeah. I, I think this falls apart when you recognize that the, there's no attempt made to make the aliens not look like humans, like to not look be exactly the same as everybody else. And if you're going to have um, this completely alien sense of morality, you need to back it up by not um, just ha- passing them off as, as humans from another place here's here's where the 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 plot falls apart for me
1: um it, it falls apart in two places and that's the, the the conflict comes from the enterprise not wanting to give away its children right but, but the aliens need you know new, new new humans i guess um to to continue their their race or their planet or their society hmm. now in this universe, in the, in the Star Trek TNG universe, um, orphaned children still exist. Right. So this could have been a chance to open up diplomatically relations with these people by just bringing <laughs> orphan children to the planet for them.
0: Or just like um, um, artificial, um, I guess not insemination because the women are also sterile, but um, just something. Because like you can, I assume by this point, the ability to make a, quote, test tube baby has probably progressed. Um, yeah. Granted, maybe yeah. That, that idea wasn't so prevalent um, at the time. Like, I certainly right. know it came to the public eye a little after uh, this happened. So that might be... Um, th- that criticism has the benefit of time. But, yeah, it's... Uh, neither party re- is really acting logically here, where... um the enterprise is making no attempt to ameliorate the issue for the most part Mm -hmm. until they discover Mm -hmm. like what the sickness is and the alien race is not open to any other um, solution other than six children for their entire race. Right. And that's, and that's the issue is like when, when
1: this conflict could be resolved so easily, um, it it really just makes the entire narrative fall apart and then the the resolution is that they cure the the aliens of their their radiation poisoning or whatever and that just feels like a cop-out in itself because i mean tng excels when the enterprise crew has to make the hard moral decisions right and it's like you know yes uh relatively speaking maybe it is bad to leave the society uh childless and dying but you know is is it worth giving up the children of of the people
0: who live on your ship well that's that's (laughs) that's why i thought the the premise was interesting because right right it, it is asking the characters to make um to confront difficult topics and um the more that y- that you think about it, where you're like, oh, well, I can see why this race thinks this way, and I can kind of understand their position. Um, the more the episode challenges you to engage in that kind of thought, generally, the more interesting that it is. And the best uh, TNG episodes do that. So yeah. when, you, yeah. when you see glimmers of it in episodes like this, you're like, yeah, I, yeah, I can kind of see it. Um, it's not,
1: it, it's I mean, not this great. The episode just
0: did did everything it could to, to not let that happen. Right. Basically. Yeah. The, um, which was which... the, the breakdown of logic um, takes you out of that, that space, you know, because when you see everybody acting illogically, you're, there's no incentive to try to puzzle out the motivations or the right and the wrong of what's happening because the situation generally would not play out this way in, um, right. In any right. sense. Um, and the breakdowns in logic are are numerous, numerous, uh, on both sides of the field. Like I mentioned that, um, they, the plan is to repopulate their race with just a few children, which is incredibly short-sighted from more of a writing perspective, but it's not actually the writer's fault this time. I mean, (laughs) it is a lot of the time, but not this time. Um. Oh, yeah. So, the the first um casting call for ch- for children actors, child actors, called for like a lot of extras. Of course, only a few were gonna have speaking roles, and those roles mm-hmm. were maintained in the into the end. But um, instead of like six children, it was gonna be dozens more, like a lot. Basically, every yeah, child on the yeah. Enterprise, rather than just pulling out the special ones. But I think at that point. Gene's reputation was kind of getting around town Hollywood. And um, most people... I guess these days people would call him a sex pest. But the point is that mm-hmm. parents didn't really trust him around their children. And when whenever we had to get child actors, it was always difficult. We had to pay the parents like a lot more for the use of their children. Which ironically you mirrors know. the episode. <laughs> In this case. Oh, yeah. yeah, it does, doesn't it? But... At that point, like, once we saw how this went, we kind of had this this meeting and the, we everybody had to tell the writers, like, we can't really use children so much. Um, please stop writing child-centric episodes, at least that involved more than one or two children. And uh, right, that, that was right. that was an ongoing rule. Even after Gene died, like, his specter haunted the set and people still felt uneasy about loaning us their children. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. blame them because... You know, we tell a lot of stories on this on this podcast, but the stories that were going around about Gene, like we have not even begun to 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 delve yeah, into that.
1: Yeah, it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Really. Um, we were we were lucky in this case because we were we were able to supplement the cast quite a bit with um, relatives, yes. or you know, child relatives of uh, people who were working on the show already. Um. I know. Um, now, who was it? Whose whose kid was that? I I, I can't remember. I can't which, remember. Which actor? We, we did we didn't have one. No, it wasn't an actor. It was uh, it was it was someone who was working in the crew. Um, his his daughter was was part of the part of the cast. Are you talking um, about like
0: the the really bad one, the young one? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think, yeah. I think that was the lighting director. His daughter.
1: Maybe. Yeah. You might you might be right about that um it's it's actually interesting so the 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 whole conceit of the episode as as we were we were talking about um earlier uh with with the children and all that like it, it's always been from its inception it was always going to be a, a very child-centric episode
0: right um
1: they were always going to be the the main focus and it was always going to be this this conflict about you know like an alien species trying to steal um children away from their families now the thing is this got all confused um, in the middle of filming um, in such a way that we basically had to deviate entirely from the way this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually going to be—it was going to be a whole cool scene. Um, so the 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 thing is, you'll notice the audience will notice. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't. Riker's limp in this episode.
0: Yes, they—they they, um right at the beginning, very very close to the beginning. Yeah. right at the beginning. Um, it's it, so quick it'll pass
1: you by. It's just a kind of an offhand comment. Um, so this wasn't even this was not acting. This was this was not Frakes acting. I don't even think that he would have had the chops to pull this off convincingly. Um, it's a pretty difficult. Basically, it it, it it is. I mean the 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 limp is an advanced acting technique for sure mm-hmm. um, especially for john so the what happened was you know a couple minutes after we started filming a couple seconds after we started filming basically um he's walking down that hallway that you see the corridor and uh he trips on this this errant prop someone the left like a, a transponder or a phaser or something um and he twists his ankle right and uh of course, you know, John being John, he starts crying about it and um Kim, the uh the director, is just at a complete loss. You know, it, it, partly because Frakes is crying, partly because um he suddenly realized the wheelchair just wasn't turning left. Um Yeah, that was like the problems
0: began to set in.
1: hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, as as we discussed last episode would would last for a good, another, uh, what, 20 episodes or so? A long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were lucky um, because like I was saying, you know, we, we, we did have um, cast members with children and stuff. And that day in particular, we had the whole Wheaton family there.
0: Right?
1: Mm. And um, we were able to to pull Jeremy in. And basically we made up the character of Mason on the spot to explain all this away. Right. Right. You know, because that's what happens in the episode. Mason bumps into Frakes and um, I'm, I'm confusing character and actor names now, but you know what I mean. Right. Um, <laughs> Mason j- bumps into Riker and that's somehow somehow he gets the limp from that, which is very
0: confusing. But it, it, um, it's a good job of a good example of, you know, kind of using what you're what you're dealt playing the hand that you're dealt because... Um, it, was, it was resourceful. Yeah, it, it ties into the, the theme of the, the children. Um, it kind of foreshadows yeah. what the episode's going to be about. And um, mm-hmm. explains away the limp. So well, yeah,
1: yeah, which is why it doesn't even seem like an accident. Right. It's It, it was a very resourceful move. And the problem is, the introduction of the Mason character... Basically meant that... I mean... Look at it this way. You can't introduce a character and then not have him show up again, mm. right? You, you know, you need to build on, on that character or else there's no reason to have it in the episode. So the, the, the casting you were referring to earlier, you know, that was for, you know, dozens of children who most of them were going to be in the background, as you said. Maybe a couple of them would have had speaking lines. Right. What was intended to happen was we were going to have another saucer uh, sequence.
0: Oh, right. right? We were planning that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as the audience knows, the families live on the saucer. Basically, the aliens were going to kind of tractor beam the saucer in, Hmm. you know, and that's where the families would be held. And it was kind of just like a hostage situation where you didn't need like named characters and, you know, interactions in the ways that we had on the show or, you know, in this episode. So um that that one little introduction of Mason um basically forced us to scrap the saucer subsequence. sequence. Uh so yeah, instead we had to beam all the children down to Aldea, and that's that's how we ended up with uh with the, the cast of children we
0: got, basically. I remember the special effects crew was particularly disheartened. Um they were planning like a lot for the saucer sept sequence. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was it's a shame because it's really cool i i loved it in the first
0: episode would have right. loved it again and the reason that we made sure to have it in the first episode was to to show that the enterprise can do this because it's something we wanted to do pretty often right um right and once we got robbed of this chance i think a lot of people lost their their um saucer sep excitement it's uh yes it really died down. It kind right? of petered out, yeah. right? Like, oh, why bother? It's just gonna, it's just gonna get interrupted again. We're not gonna be able to do it. I don't want to get burned again. Right. Yeah. You know, on on the crew
1: side, that's how we were feeling. It was it was just so disappointing. And then you know, on the audience side, it had been so long since we saucer they didn't even remember it happened. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, if we wanted the saucer again, we would have had to, do, you know, go to the old song and dance of introducing the concept and everything, and yeah, that that would have taken what 15 minutes
0: out of an episode right which you know every now and then is fine but you got to remember that it was you know gene was always very very adamant that if something were to happen like the saucer sap it needs to have um, a realistic time frame given to it so seeing the saucer Mm -hmm. and the and the rest of the ship kind of slowly disconnect and drift away over the course of 10 12 minutes um mm-hmm. was necessary. That was part of the why right. part of why the first episode was a two parter to to give time right. for that to happen. Right. Um yeah. so it was a, a dark day. A dark day for everybody on set.
1: It's a shame. It's a shame. And
0: yeah. Um I, I wouldn't I would like to,
1: I think, kind of rewind and go back to the beginning of the episode a little bit because I have a lot of questions uh, about <laughs> the things that happened there. Please, please. Um, so uh I do want to note that this is the first episode that does not open with a
0: an external view of the Enterprise. Ooh. It's a it's a um, nice piece of trivia. Yeah, yeah. Bit which of a, which was bit of a camera flex. It, well, yeah, you know, I mean like it was it was noticed, that's all, you know? Um, I, I think it's because it's um it didn't open with a captain's log, I believe. Maybe it did. Mm-hmm. I, I to be honest, I It didn't. Oh, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. there you go. Because when you have the captain's log, it's like, what else are you going to show? You, you right. Almost never do you actually see Picard recording a captain's log, just talking to himself. Um, instead, it's like, all right, we need some generic space scenery to, to play under this log. So let's just show the Enterprise flying through space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. So
1: because it didn't have that, I guess we're treated to Frakes walking down the hallway as the opening scene. Right. They well, only got to um...
0: establish the limp
1: yes yes of course so why is this might just be me this might just be like my own hang-up i found it odd that Riker was so excited about Aldeia.
0: yeah i when because he got so excited i legitimately thought it was some kind of sex planet Um, exactly that's that is what i had written down and then the first aldean that appears on the view screen is like this young woman and you're like yeah okay this is totally gonna be another sex plan and it's not i mean of course but
1: well even even by the time you like you get down there and they're talking about how um how they need to repopulate right i'm thinking oh you know Riker's just gonna go to town but but no no it's it's just the it's just any old planet, really.
0: Yeah, so you uh, would think that the roles would be reversed, because Picard is the one who's, like, exactly. archaeo- archaeology-focused and culture- Yes.
1: Riker's never shown any proclivities towards this kind of thing.
0: No, no. If he can't fuck it, then no. Right. Why bother? Right. Um, or if it doesn't mix with blondes, then then he also <laughs> will be a fan of it. Um, so there there was a moment they shouted out to you there was a bit of writing that um played it directly to you where they're talking about aldea and he's uh, riker's describing it and he's like oh it's like nainmen of Zergis 7 or atlantis oh, on earth yeah. he references yeah. something that's not um yeah. a pre-existing 20th t- 21st century or 20th century concept
1: that was noted that was definitely noted and i did appreciate it it's nice
0: when they throw those things in there right right i i heard that and immediately thought of you well he's gonna love this (laughs) i do i do and they they really
1: don't do it often enough um uh, where else did i want to go here um we have uh we have the crew worried about decontamination Um, yeah
0: that was weird
1: several other entities have been beamed to the bridge without the enterprise's consent before this and there's been no talk of decontamination before
0: and not only that but even if like we we take that decontamination is an issue the response to the decontamination is oh we used our own transporter to come in without yeah. without any talk of being decontaminated and everybody's like oh okay i guess it, i guess decontamination doesn't actually matter then right right they just kind of drop it so why have the line in there at all and you know what line? when it does come down to them being sick like that's the plot point obviously like radiation <laughs> is not contagious without a source of radiation right. but it's just weird that that's never really uh it feels Pulling like yeah but it feels like an attempt to 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 be smart about it where it's like oh they weren't decontaminated so we couldn't Tell that they were sick until we scanned them at a separate time, but I don't think anybody would have asked that question. It like, no. yeah, it's it, it, it's getting my my synapses firing, but it's not worth it. Yeah, there's there's really nothing there. Um,
1: the the view screen when um, when Brenda comes up on the view screen, yes. Uh, did you notice how harsh her s's were? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
1: because I, I want to just shoot my, my ears off so listening what, to her talk what's the that. problem she has like a reverse
0: lisp where everything's hard no
1: no no it's just uh, they, they like the, the sound team the audio team just didn't like DS the audio at all ah. so she's talking and, and her, her S's are like you know like really really harsh right it's
0: see, not her fault right. it's the audio equipment see I just want to go listen to it now um yeah i mean you should you yeah should. if there's one thing i really want to do it's watch this episode again mm-hmm. i believe it um that's that's um, hilarious to me i've uh, got one more thing okay oh uh, did, did you want to say something about the harsh asses not the harsh asses but of like this the scene in general i i know that the enterprise was brought there but I still felt like they had too easy of a time locating this planet that it has been said to be hidden for literal <laughs> millennia. Right, right. Because you would think like you can't just kind of stumble upon it, right? Right. But they just kind of look out the window and they see it shimmering like, while its cloaking mm-hmm. device is up. And they're like, wait, I'm detecting something. I can. F- there's something here, but I don't know what. And it's like, you're going to this is gonna be hidden for millennia and they just detect something instantly I don't know well you you know you know what it is you know what it was
1: it was it was it was Troy oh yeah it was Troy saying the i i I have to I have to go off on this for a minute please um so I have no idea what happened in editing but and for the audience you definitely miss this so go back to about like two minutes into the episode and you'll see what i mean but um early on troy mentions like feeling a, like thousands of minds right mm. they're, they're all standing on the bridge and troy's troy says i feel thousands of minds and picard turns to her and says where and she says very close and then the entire crew per the original direction um, all looks directly at the camera um and uh it was it used? was yeah yeah um so i say look directly at the camera what i mean is they look directly at a camera because in the final episode it was not the camera um that they were looking at that was used for the shot mm. uh, see originally it was supposed to be a little bit of fourth wall breaking yeah um to to, to pull the audience into the story right um and as you can see, that's not that's not how it ended up in editing. And I, I remember getting a phone call um from from uh from DC, actually. Um she and Hannah were absolutely furious about it. And uh it actually ended up leading to uh, some pretty drastic restructuring
0: in that department. Well, I can imagine it's doing something like that is a very clear artistic art endeavor. And if you're not listening to your creatives inside a business like this you know what What are you doing why would they choose to remain on your show
1: yeah 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 for sure um, but you know that that was I feel like this episode had a, a fair amount of, uh, of of strange editing strange it, direction
0: well exa- I, I agree 100% there's one moment um, I think later on in the show where it's it occurs when there's yellow beams scanning all the children on the Enterprise. Um, so Wesley Crusher's on the bridge; he's getting scanned by this yellow beam, and everybody starts to panic. And oh yeah, yeah. When that happens, there's a series of close-ups on every principal actor, like much much closer than we're accustomed to seeing on TNG, like jarringly so, mm-hmm. and. This was like dual purpose. Yes, in a tense scene, it the, the close-ups, the tight framing accentuates the panic of the characters. And that works for the episode. But the idea was that we were getting really tired of the original opening sequence. And what we wanted to do was have the characters' faces appear in sequence along with their you know casting underneath. Right. And um, right. use that as the opening. So... Gene uh, decided to be more economical to incorporate that into the shooting of an episode so that we wouldn't have to film an extra time. Um, but for one reason or another, it got left on the, the cutting room floor. And because of that, we're just left with these awkward close-ups that don't really serve so much of a purpose uh, in this episode. Like, Star Trek has communicated tension and and um, and panic without the use of such... Uh, strange close-ups before, but you know, now, when you watch the episode, you just see a close-up of Michael Dorn's face, and you're like, ah, ah, ah back off. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's some neat trivia, though. I guess that's why the sequence didn't work out, because you turn on your primetime television, and then you got, bam, your, your whole flat screen is, uh, dominated by michael doran and changed the channel
1: right very unfriendly (laughs) yeah um i'm embarrassed to say i did not notice the sequence at all it's it's worth going
0: back yeah yeah that is odd so people often ask me do you watch star trek to enjoy it and my answer is no i rewatch it to Double check the strange shooting and audio mistakes that that occur, and that's the only thing as I get does. from it. Yeah, as one does. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: also on the bridge early on, um, we we're, we're treated to to Troy reading emotions like very specifically. Yeah, I can't remember
0: what she says, um, but she says that they they want something from us that they know we won't want to give. Yes, them. Yeah
1: yes and
0: how is that at all emotionally readable right like describe that emotion to me
1: <laughs> and uh yeah i mean it's just another example of how concerning uh troy's convenience as a character is right where one episode she's completely useless and the next she uh is able to say stupid shit like this uh and uh, you know, then they beam her down to the planet conveniently.
0: Yeah. They, they don't they, they don't need her after that, so they beam down Troy, Crusher, and uh Riker, I believe. Yes. Yeah, they, yes. they just randomly pick and Picard just like flippantly reacts like, Oh, interesting choices. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hell's that supposed to mean?
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very uh very sudden, too. A very sudden reaction. That's like Picard- it
0: had no weight to it at all. Picard, that's two thirds of the away team. You always send. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, yeah, and the 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 choice for the script to call for Troy to be beamed down is odd because, again, the aliens are very straightforward with what they want.
0: Right. So it's not. It's not this game. Of cat and mouse is like trying to suss out their true intentions. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was dumb. That was dumb. Also, it's kinda of, it doesn't track. Um, where if the aliens are so worried about um like oh we want this but they won't give it to us, why do they act so matter of factly about offering compensation and whatever? <laughs> so. <laughs> Somehow I didn't put that together, but you're absolutely right. Right. it's It like, does not make any sense. It's like, oh, we just need dramatic foreshadowing that something's not all that it seems here. And it's like, great, right. I assume the fact that you wrote a fucking episode about it kind of implies that <laughs> it's not entirely on level.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, now that you've said that, that is that is what should have happened, is the alien should
0: have been a little sneakier about it. Right. I mean, it would have... You can do this one of two ways. They can be sneakier, and you um you don't play them up as, like, this completely alien way of thinking where they, they can't comprehend why this is not working for, for the humans. Or mm-hmm. you go the opposite way and don't have Troy make them out to be underhanded and scheming. <laughs> yeah, just remove that one line yes. and, and you're going. That's really it. It's the whole thing.
1: <laughs> oh so, yes, a lot of extraneous stuff on the bridge within the first five minutes of the episode, for sure.
0: Yes, yes. And also just how strange it is for them to beam on the bridge and be like oh my god these lights are so bright and then they beam back to their planet and everything's lit exactly the same
1: (laughs) yes yes um that was another thing that it's so obvious we don't need to get into it but it was something that i guess i didn't notice
0: because it is it is just so ridiculous right and i don't think maybe that's a real symptom of radiation poisoning i i don't know but i don't think anyone's gonna know enough to be like hey wait a second they're they're irradiated why why aren't they reacting to the light right in in. my
1: dad has radiation poisoning he
0: he can't he can't look at the sun he can't look at the sun for more than two minutes without his eyes hurting (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: man um so yeah, they, they the aliens scan scan the kids and somehow
0: pluck them off of the ship, just like twelve of them, right. six of them. The ones that are because the problem is not only that they need to repopulate their planet, it's also that um they can only do it with people who are worthy or art, are artistically inclined. I guess they, they
1: they have some kind of calling,
0: right? Which yeah, I, I I this is like a beggars can't be choosers kind of thing like all right are you really that concerned about your planet that you won't take some dud children to to just make more children <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah it is it is a real beggar's canyon I'm trying to think of what else I, even
0: happens in this episode i have to
1: say that the the kid who disappeared playing the instrument was hilarious looking <laughs> as 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 it just like kind of falls yes. lazily over um they beam down. I do want to say one of the kids says to Wesley when they when they first get get down to the planet. One of the kids says, "I'm frightened." Yeah, uh,
0: and no kid talks like this. <laughs> uh, I, do, uh, so, I love that. I love the the, the children col- their collective enthusiasm for engaging in like a hunger strike and non non aggressive resistance or passive resistance. Um, where it's like most children would just be like crying or throwing tantrums or losing their mind in some way. Right. But they're all just like, nah, it's cool. Uh, I can just, yeah, they, they
1: do, they do kind of
0: just take it. You you ever you try to get a child to fucking sit still quietly in the best of times. That's yeah. not going to happen. How about the worst of times? But I guess they're all child geniuses. So it, uh, it works right. out. They study right. calculus. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, um the picard calls
1: a meeting with with the parents or something and um it, it feels like a PTA meeting <laughs> it does it, it's a very strange star trek episode when you have parents asking what picard is going to do for their children
0: <laughs> you know i the most overly enunciated overacted line of the episode comes in this scene um when the, the the what was his name blake i don't know the character's name the from the beginning of the episode that that child's father is like the last thing i, yeah. I did was yell at him and it's like yeah. very very overly acted yeah yeah
1: i i didn't write that down but that that I, I did observe that as well
0: and then that guy never has another line in the episode that's no, oh, he does he does does he at the end yeah
1: at the end where where um where the kid's back and they're walking down the corridor and he says the kid says um dad i don't want to study calculus anymore and then and then his dad says um you can be whatever you want but you still have to study calculus and then the kid says okay thanks dad
0: (laughs) i mean i do remember this now but your description of it is a lot funnier than the than the episode <laughs> itself. Um, I quoted that almost verbatim. I know you did, <laughs> <laughs> but out of context, it's it's just hilarious. Um, why don't we talk about the theme of this episode? Um, where, and I might be reading it wrong, but to me, it seems like a almost an anti-technological theme where It is, yeah. Yeah, this this race has like an advanced supercomputer but they rely on it too much and it becomes their undoing both literally and uh metaphorically.
1: Well, you know what? I think it's I think more than an anti-tech message. It's because Trek you're not supposed I I know we violated the Bible a million times already, but you're not supposed to have anti-tech right. episodes. It's it's more of, like, an anti-pollution episode that's not conveyed at
0: all correctly. Yeah, th- that doesn't come through to me. Like, yeah, it's radiation, but to me, radiation just seemed like a way for technology to hurt them rather than... Right, well,
1: I mean, this, this planet's, like, destroyed its oceans and stuff like that. You know, they haven't seen a dolphin before or whatever, right. oh, so... We used to have fish uh, in our oceans. Right, right. So, you know, you do have heavy-handed lines like that um, that kind of hint towards this, this stuff, but... Um, I don't think it was an anti tech episode.
0: I I think it, I think it was a poorly written anti pollution episode. But there's lines where it's like, Oh, this computer has done everything for you. Um, and uh yeah, I guess. Yeah, which again could just be a, a fumbling of the true message, but there's i i I'm not pulling this this anti tech theme from nowhere. I think it is Oh no, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: not saying you're pulling it from nowhere I just think that wasn't the intent mm. even though people are going to interpret it that
0: way Yeah, I mean, part of the reason I wanted to talk about the theme was because I felt that an anti-tech theme was so antithetical to Star Trek that it, it, it bothered me but if if the theme was more pollution based and it's just um, uh, bad writing that made it seem like it was anti-tech, all well, that's that's an easier pill to swallow because, you know, it's not running counter to the, the yeah. idea of the tires, the entire series. Right.
1: And I, I really think that is what would happen. Not that it really excuses anything because we are interpreting. I, I could easily see people interpreting it that way. I would interpret it
0: that way. Right. You know, it's real. So. If you remove the dolphin scene, um, I think it's a, <laughs> it's a lot harder to get to the anti-pollution message. Yeah, actually it is. It is. Um, it is. Uh, speaking of that scene, there's a lot of implied sensuality with that kid polishing his dolphin.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, any interaction with kids in Star Trek is kind of necessarily sexual in some way. Yeah, just wait until Picard's trapped in an elevator with three of them. Yeah. I mean just you know like the the tight clothes and the yeah. the proximity it's just it's
0: inevitable. Mm-hmm. And the the overt non-sexuality of the show kind of works against it in that regard sometimes. Mhm. Where it's yeah. it, it can be so sterile that it feels more sexual than it is. I don't know if that makes any sense but <laughs> No, I get exactly what you're saying like like the the bar is so low for any sexual content,
1: mm. exactly that you're just seeing it everywhere.
0: We we're no longer right. getting um the 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 um, rocky relationship of data and and um yar that I have to I know, the avoid somehow no.
1: seems to like not be a
0: thing anymore. Right, it's almost Which... it's almost like the writers are hacks. You know, in, in
1: Star Trek The Next Generation, you have people who get married, and then you have people on starships who just kind of cycle through partners every couple of weeks. Whenever it's convenient. Yeah, and then, and then get jealous of, of their ex-partners on, you know, on, on a dime, basically.
0: God, I can't wait for the Wharf troy arc.
1: Oh, that's going to be fun.
0: Just um, um a lot of blacked a lot of blacked a lot of yes um do you have anything else uh, about this episode
1: well we, we still haven't touched on the other theme of it. the other theme
0: yeah um does this have to do it with is, the children
1: yeah it's it, so the theme of the episode is to take calculus right
0: right um you see and let me let me. Go off on a bit of a tangent here, pun not intended. Wow. Um, our brains do calculus every single day. For example, if you're coming across like, like a like a park, and there's a path that goes around the park, or you can cut through the park, and you're trying to like decide which is a faster, more efficient route for you to take, that's your brain doing forms of calculus without you even thinking about it. That's um, a good point. It is. And obviously, before you take calculus, you can't really put that, those ideas and concepts like onto paper. You're, you're not able to do that math until you learn it. But um, the concept of what calculus is and is not is um, intrinsically intertwined into all of our lives. And um, just like everything else in life, it's, it all comes down to math. And the more we learn about math, really, truly, the more we learn about the world around us.
1: It's well said. Thank you. It's well said. So it's a good theme. But I think I think the theme is more like you have to take calculus class.
0: So, oh, okay.
1: I see. Like um, after geometry. You know, like, yeah, so like, you know, stop um stop resisting. Don't think for yourself.
0: Take calculus. Go through the
1: system. Yeah, take calculus which which is a great message for
0: kids. Well, it's nice because the that kid, you know, he starts budding uh as an artist, like a quite talented artist. And uh yeah. then his father's like this doesn't matter, you still need to take calculus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is it is great how his dad just kind of ignored all that. Right. Even um, it, maybe
1: you maybe should say
0: that the aliens. Even symbolically he left that life behind on um on the planet because he left the dolphin sculpture behind which is yeah this you know um a visual metaphor for his artistic life right and he abandoned it in favor of yeah. the life in space the life of calculus kind of a,
1: well you know
0: i don't know maybe maybe you're just looking for a new challenge maybe yeah. maybe but it says a lot with so little and um i like to think that the the struggle between the creatives and the production at at various times of TNG um, influenced this, where it's like it doesn't matter what good ideas you have, you still have to take calculus. We're still just gonna do it our way.
1: Yes, yes, it's it's a nice little parallel. Yes, I think
0: very um, deep.
1: I'd like to move on. I think is our last point. Um, mm. The process by which the children leave the planet I guess Um, it's a very roundabout kind of solution I think to to the whole conflict and I want to talk about how Dr. Crusher beams down to the planet and very obviously hands Um, Wesley something
0: in front of I wanted to talk about this too I wrote this down the yeah. worst piece of physical acting ever yeah. ever put to screen.
1: So, not only does Dr. Crusher hand him something right in front of that woman's face, but he walks around her and, like, wildly waves his arm over her head. <laughs>
0: um, uh, and the whole time... A- <laughs> no way. The whole time, the gadget's, like, making noise, like, it's clicking, and she takes out the little scanner, and like yep. it's it's sticking out of her bathrobe in like a very obvious way. Um it's all it's a whole thing. It's such an awkward scene. And um for what? Just so they can scan those people. But there had to have been a better way. There there had to have been. And I mean Yeah.
1: Everything everything that goes into this like uh, what you might try to call an escape sequence, a very slow escape sequence. It's just very
0: silly. I mean, Data goes down, right? Data's the one who is able to, like, hack the computer, right? Right. He, somehow, he's like, oh, I can't do anything but scramble the inputs. I'll scramble yeah, the inputs, I, he says.
1: This this computer that has been basically unbreachable for centuries. Millennia. Um, data Millennia. Just you, Data just walks down to the planet and scrambles it.
0: Him and Riker so just they show up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that was really cool. Um, and I was hoping there would be something cooler behind the door than just more of a computer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? The whole door thing was, was a bizarre setup. Um, there was a cool foreshadowing bit, and then they walk in and it's just a computer. What's What's really funny is... In the foreshadowing bit, they start by introducing Wesley to the to the computer, the custodian, right, and give Wesley level three clearance. And Wesley's like, "Well, what does that mean?" And she says, "You can ask the custodian anything you want." And he's like, "Okay, well, what's behind that door?" She's like, "I don't know." And then he just never asks the computer, like, "Why not?" Yeah, that is weird. I I was I was expecting like a like a Wizard of Oz type deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like somebody, some entity is controlling. Uh,
1: yeah exactly which would have been probably better
0: i think i think it would have been cooler yeah but it doesn't but gel uh, with um the environmental scenery. i guess yeah it, it doesn't really don't really mesh but um i mean
1: yeah i i don't know just seeing more of a computer it was just oh, okay it's, um it's exactly what i thought it was uh yeah yeah a big big oh yeah so here's a secret that the the higher-ups definitely didn't want to get out but uh you know that's why you come to the readier room for all of your ready your tri- needs, trivia. right? Exactly, yeah. Ready your, there we go. Ready, the readier room for your readier needs. I like that. We're gonna put that on one of our shirts once we launch, launch our uh, our Teespring. Gotta gotta get our partnership with the Yeti going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Just just you wait, Ensigns. Um, so yeah, uh, the the core of the custodian, that big pillar thing, um, uh, that was actually built to scale.
0: Hmm. Uh
1: under the direction of, uh, you know, Mike Mike Okuda-san.
0: Yep, yep. It was fucking huge.
1: Yeah, it was was massive. And so, you know, audience, don't forget the theme of the season was Emmys, 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 right? Mm. Had to win the Emmys, so no expense was too great in view of that, um, at least for Gene, right? This was kind of Gene's goal this season was to scoop up as many of those things as possible. He was a bit of a gold digger. He Sorry. was, he was a gold digger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably, probably cause he was dealing with other gold diggers so much. Mm-hmm. Like he himself became a gold digger, you know, to defeat them, he had to become them. Right. Of course. Um, so by the time it reached the execs that this thing had been built, you know, it was obviously already too late. And needless to say, the cost was far greater than anything we had constructed at that point. So when that gambit failed to even yield an, an Emmy nomination, um, I guess the the shame was just too great. And uh, Paramount did its damnedest to cover it up.
0: Well, I and, mean, uh, you
1: can't let that get out. You can't. You can't. So what they did was they paid off PBS to produce an episode of Reading Rainbow, you know, because Lavar was on it. Mm. Um, they were up for their sixth season. They paid off PBS to produce this episode um covering this this little miniature version that was constructed later um basically
0: as a cover-up right oh we didn't we didn't spend all that money guys it was just a miniature yeah yeah you know just kind of trying to say oh we were we weren't really trying
1: you know um and i think this is the first time this is actually getting out um you know they may come after us i don't care
0: the truth has to get out there um yeah at some point, someone has to to own up to this, right? It's it's a dark spot of Trek history, but it it happened, and to to not talk about it would be to deny that it happened. Yeah, and we're not up so, we're yeah. not about that. There you go.
1: There you go. That's that's your uh, you you could bring that up with your Trek friends. Mm-hmm.
0: Any closing words for when when the the bouge breaks, the boof. The boof, right? Boof when the boof breaks. Um, mm, no, not really. I mean, uh, n- not a great episode. But... Well, actually, I was going to say, what did you think about it? We haven't really said just our opinion on the episode. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't
1: watch it again. No, but no. It's not the worst thing ever.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not the worst. It's probably a a middling episode for season one. Um. Yeah. And I'll I'll accept that and they they can't all be zingers, not not this early. Um Yeah, I mean Brenda was cute. Yeah, yeah, Brenda was cute. Um it inspired uh memories of a show that didn't air for another fifteen years, which is fun. <laughs> um so if you're if you're a fan of when the booth breaks, I recommend uh checking out Desperate Housewives for mm. more or less the same thing
1: yeah
0: all right, so that will do it for um our when the booth breaks brokerage so uh trivia time oh baby i am coming off coming off a win and uh wait am, you are yes I am okay, that was last week losing all yes. track of time yeah. um coming uh, off a win uh, very, very excited
1: big, very big win um so here is the trivia for today. Okay. <clears throat> the Star Trek The Next Generation commemorative chess set uh, was produced by the Franklin Mint in 1995. Okay. Okay. It was separated into two sides the gold side and the silver side. Uh-huh. Gold was the Federation, silver was, I guess, non Federation. Okay. Okay. The king was, as you might expect, um, Jean Luc Picard of the gold side. Hmm. okay bishops were uh
0: Riker and data so the bishops were okay. like the the two pieces were not the same character like they're right, two different right. okay okay
1: yeah yeah that that is the case for the the bishops and the knights hmm. um who was the queen
0: of the gold side Mm-hmm. okay first of all i have to ask if all the pawns were denise <laughs> no they were just uh
1: they were security officers okay okay
0: yellow shirts. Yeah. yeah yellow yellow shirts um so who is the queen um that's an interesting question if i had to choose like who is the principal female character of the next generation um i mm. would choose troy if i had to choose mm. who would be like the queen to picard's king i would choose crusher Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking on any other female characters like, except for Yara. There's not a lot, but, but, but come on. Um, well, yeah. When did this come out? When was this made? This was '95, so okay, well into the series. Yes, actually, after the, se- the series finished. Oh right, right. Yeah. Could be Guinan, but I, I uh, it could be. I don't want to say that. I, that 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 is too stupid to be true. Why Why don't you want to say that? There's no way it's Gynen. There's no way. Right. There's absolutely okay. zero way it's Gynen. Um I swear to god if it's Gynen, I'm going to be very disappointed <laughs> in myself. Okay. I'm going to make a clear con- concerted attempt to not out clever myself this time and I'm just going to say Troy. Is it Troy? Final, final an- answer. Troy your final answer. Yes. It is Troy. Congratulations. Yes, thank God. Wow. <laughs> really. All you have to do is not what really we think. Yeah, the less I think about these things the better I do. Um if if it had been Dinan, I I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> so um who do you, who do you think the king was of the other side? That's a, that is an interesting question. So it's not just alien species, it's non-federation. Correct?
1: Yeah, so it's basically, you know, any enemy the Enterprise has ever really had.
0: Right. Of. I'm going to say it's a Romulan. I don't know the names of any of the key Romulans, but there's like a couple that that reappear. Um, So you're close. You're close. Uh, One of the... The the queen is a Romulan, and the two bishops are Romulans, but the king is Q. Ah. Is Q really a villain, though? I guess he's not part of the Federation, but... Yeah. It's it's kind of up in the air there, but, uh, yeah. I would have thought that... um, like the borg queen would have been the queen
1: yeah the 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 borg or the the pawns i guess that makes sense and uh we got we got some we got uh daimon goss as as the knights
0: <laughs> they really region weren't Daemon?
1: they i forget is it daimon or daimon though oh daimon daimon Waynes? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what were the rooks
1: um, for the silver side it was Romulan Warbirds and for the gold side it was the Enterprise D
0: the ships really? yeah so what I'm getting from well, this is, is that Troy is more maneuverable than the Enterprise well <laughs> from a certain point of view well I guess that will do it for today's entry into the readier room Um, join us next time where we discuss more of troy's flexibility and until then everybody please stay ready here the troublesome little man child consider that in the history of many worlds there have always been disposable Do I not appear more intellectual?
1: Computer, freeze probe. It's not a promising
0: beginning. 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 Beginning.